So, as you know, we are starting off kind of a, a new year. Um, I don't know about y'all, even though I don't have children anymore, even though I am not in school anymore, there is something about the start of the new academic year that I can actually feel just like a little bit of a shift in myself. And then when it gets to May, kind of at the end of the academic year, I can also feel kind of this another shift. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, but I have a recurring dream that I have in May of every year. Well, let me, let me take that back. I've gotten to where now I don't have it the way I used to, but for years after college, I mean, May would come. I wouldn't even be thinking about it being May, and I would have this dream. Now, tell me if you've ever had a dream like this before. In in this dream, I'm in college, and in this dream, it is finals week. Y'all hear? Have you had this? So, so anyway, in this dream, it is finals week, and I'm looking at my schedule and, you know, and when my exams are and everything, and what I realize is there is a class on my schedule, and I have an exam coming up, and I have forgotten about this class all semester long. Has anybody ever had that dream or some variation of it? Well, listen, according to, I thought I was crazy, but according to the Wall Street Journal, this is a very common nightmare stress dream but there was and there were always different variations of it sometimes maybe I had been to class and then I forgot that I had the class but the bottom line is it, they're just in this panic and, I, and I'm like trying to get the notes I'm trying to get the test and then I'm also looking at the syllabus to say now how could I could I really cut 15 times and still pass the course but there's this there's this stress dream okay so hold that Any, anybody ever have that y'all kind of feel that sometimes maybe, maybe not some of you are like Mark and it's like no quick say class we're all good all right but hold that so I have that experience sometimes in May but then there's something about the fall that feels fresh it feels clean it feels like a new start and I remember when I was a student one of the things that I I mean I'm a little bit of a geek but I remember I loved getting my syllabus and I love getting now this was back in the day before all of your calendars you know were, were on Google Calendar or you had them on your phone or your computer but I loved getting the new the new calendar and there was nothing written in it, and I love writing my classes and my assignments and, and just kind of planning out the whole year. Anybody? You got any other nerds? Okay, I'm the only one. Okay, all right, I saw you. Yeah, I see that. Another thing, and then, and then I remember even when I wasn't in school, like one of the things that I enjoyed, I was, you know, I was a mom, and by this time our kids were in elementary school. I loved getting the fresh, clean calendar and like getting out, the, putting the, you know, so here's the soccer schedule, and here's the carpool schedule, and here's all the, and it's like I hadn't gotten into the chaos and the stress of the year, and somehow for me, if it was all written on my calendar, it felt like I had control and like it was going to be a good year does that yes that's right yes it's going to be a good year but here's my question for you and my question for me is what happens between that beautiful nice new calendar and again y'all y'all realize this is this is a metaphor this is an illustration of our life in August how do we what what happens from August to May because sometimes it, it's that we don't end up where we hoped we had ended up we could end up and I've got a slide up here and, and, and this is the problem and this is kind of what we're drilling down on today and it's this often there is a disconnect between where we want to end up 
and the path we choose. Okay, sometimes there is this disconnect between where we want to end up and the path we choose. And so I felt like today, I mean, it's the beginning of a new academic year, and even if you don't have kids anymore, I know for many of us, uh, you've had summer vacations, your schedules have been off. There's just something fresh about the beginning of a new year and also the beginning of football season. So we've got that as well. So <laughs> so like what Mark will do, he'll get, he'll get like the Georgia football schedule and he'll like put it on the refrigerator and he'll underline it. It's like we kind of plan our life around their schedule. So, I, you know, that's, that's right. Anybody else out there like that? Got a few? Yeah, go, that's right. Go, go Tech, go, but you, you go Auburn, but you got your schedule. Well, anyway, so that's what we're kind of looking at is this gap that's between August and May. And so thinking about our path and our life as we get there. So what we're doing today is we're looking at a passage from uh, the, the, the teaching of Jesus. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew. And I want to just set this up for you because I think there are some truths in this passage. And, and for those of you who grew up in church, this, is, this might be a familiar passage to you. Uh, there's even a song about it that I remember learning when I was in Sunday school. But I want us to take just a little bit of time, and I want to unpack some of the truths in this passage and say, are there some principles that I could apply to my life as I think about the next 10 months, as I think about what is the path that I'm going to be on for the next 10 months of my life? So I'm going to read it to you first, and then we're going to dig in, and we're going to unpack it just a little bit. So verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So great passage. Do y'all know this song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise, y'all know this one. What happens? And the rains came down and the floods came. Yeah, kind of a freaky song to teach like a five-year-old, don't you think? <laughs> it's like your house is coming down in the rain and the storm. And then every time they hear lightning, it's like, oh no, what's our foundation look like? So anyway, but let's get back to the story. So the context of this, and I just kind of want to set it up for you. This particular parable comes at the end of a very long teaching section in the book of Matthew. Matthew, as you know, was one of the disciples of Jesus. He was a tax collector. Uh, we know that he probably knew how to read and how to write. And so it is called the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what this parable comes at the very end of that, almost as the summary. Now, most scholars would tell us, and, and I agree with this personally, you know, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, 
Mount, you think, whoa, that was a lot of stuff Jesus just said. I mean, that probably, you know, if he was in seminary and they were like grading his sermons, he would fail on that one because he put way too many points in. And so, but what most people believe and think is that this was not one sermon that he preached in its entirety, but it was a collection of sermons that he preached as he went around the, 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 around the Sea of Galilee, as he taught in the synagogues, as he taught out in the open fields, as he taught there uh, in the Sea of Galilee. And so when you look at this passage, I like the way that Matthew sets it up. In Matthew 5, he says that Jesus saw the crowds, and it says that he went and he, and he sat down and it says, and this is what I like, it's, if you see the crowds, Jesus is there, he sits down, and he's about to teach them. But here's what he says that you don't expect. He said it was his disciples who came. And then he began to teach them. And kind of what Matthew is kind of setting up right now is that there are two types of people. There are people that hear the word of God. There are people that hear, they're aware, they know about all of this. But disciples, disciples are distinctly different. Disciples are people who follow Jesus. Disciples are people who hear his words and put them into practice. And that is what makes all the difference in the world. And so here we have the disciples coming near, crowds at a distance, crowds are hearing the words, disciples are leaning in to listen. And then Jesus begins to teach them. Now when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it is some of the most practical teaching for everyday life that I believe that there is anywhere else in scripture. I mean, collectively, uh, he teaches about adultery. He talks about divorce. He talks about being angry. He talks about holding grudges. He talks about being greedy. He talks about being anxious. He talks about prayer. He talks about the importance of giving. He talks about just this wide range of things. And some of the overarching, as you kind of look at it all, it's like, well, he's just, he's just telling me how to do life. He's telling me how to, how to do life well, how to do it in a way that reflects and brings honor and glory to him, but also in a way that is wise. And so he lays all this out, and then he summarizes at the very end the parable to just kind of nail the point down. And go back now. He's, he's kind of set it up there. He said, you've got crowds, and you've got disciples, You've got people who hear, and then you've got people who do. So let's dig in and let's look at this a little bit. So there in verse 24, the first thing, the first word that Matthew gives us is he says, therefore. And that's that transitional word to say, you cannot take this parable and this story out of context. You can't lift it up because it only makes sense if you look at it and you understand it in light of what all has gone on before that. That's why I spent that time kind of giving you the context and unpacking it. But he says, therefore, and again, remember, you've got disciples leaning in, you're there by the Sea of Galilee, and then you've got the crowds. And he says, and it's this invitation, he says, therefore, let everyone who hears these words of mine, so they're all listening, the crowds can hear him, the disciples can hear him, you can hear, you can hear. And he says, here's these words of mine, and he says, but here's the difference. Here's what makes the difference you got to put them into practice. you got to live it out. Every morning when you get up, you got to do it. And when you fall, you got to get up and you got to do it again. You listen, but you do. You listen and you do. 
And he says, and if you do this, the disciples who do this, he said, this is what you're going to be like. You're going to be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And here he sets up this contrast. And he says, there's the wise man who's going to build his house and he's going to build it on a rock. And then there's the foolish man and he's going to build his house on sand. Now, for me, when I read this, I I just don't have any experience in building houses. And especially in Macon, Georgia, and, you know, kind of the the time that we live in, we we would, I mean, like, it wouldn't pass the building code. I I don't know about y'all, like like Mark and I bought a house about a year ago, actually, and before we could, um, before we had signed away our life on the mortgage and everything, we had to have the bank required that we have a building inspector come. And I mean, he went over that house from top to bottom. I mean, if there was a screw loose, if there was anything wrong, I mean, he had it on his little piece of paper and the builder had to fix it. And same thing, we were selling a house. Same thing. I mean, anything they came up with, we anything with the roof. And so it's hard for us to even conceive, you know, why anyone would not lay a good foundation when they build a house. And so in my mind, I think about, you know, building the sandcastle on the, on the shore and then, you know, the waves come. But I think it's a little bit more than that because I don't think that anyone would have been foolish enough to have done that. But they built these houses. And in my mind, I'm thinking one was thoughtful and intentional about kind of the consequences of their actions. They were able to see the long view. They were, be, they were able to see beyond just today, but they were able to look down the road and say, if I build this way, here's the consequences, here's the path, here's the direction, here's the likely outcome. And the other person did not take any thought about the future. That was, if you will, instant gratification, living in the moment. Now, here's what's interesting, is that both people built a house. And the inference is here is that the houses probably looked the same. The houses maybe uh, had a similar floor plan, if you will. And of course, I'm just kind of, you know, ad-libbing here. Maybe they had a similar floor plan. Maybe they cost about the same amount of money. Maybe they took about the same amount of time. And so when you looked at these two houses from the outside, they looked very similar. Now, what's interesting, too, is when you, when you look at the Greek word house there, uh, it's kind of fun sometimes to go in and kind of dig down a little bit deeper. It, the house, it, of course, it refers to a physical building. But sometimes that word house is also used to describe a household, like the people that live in that house. And I just thought about this, and I was thinking about the new year, and I was thinking, you know, we're going to be doing life For those of you who are married, you know, you've got the next 10 months, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be building your marriage, whether you want to or not. You're going to be building it well, or you're going to be destroying it. You know, uh, those of you who are moms and dads, you are building into the next generation. Uh, Those of you who are, you know, working, then you are building your career. I think about students, you know, you are, you are, especially those of you who are in college, you are building your, your GPA. Uh, Those of you who are in high school, your GPA has a big impact on, you know, the colleges 
and the, and the scholarships that will be available to you. And it starts your freshman year of college. So all of us, no matter what stage of life you're in, you are building your life. You're building your house. You are, you are working towards something. And so what the author is saying here, what Matthew was you know, hearing, what Jesus said, is, guys, there are two ways that you can build. You can build with an eye to the question, you know, kind of thinking through where the decisions that I'm making today, where are they leading? What is the consequence? What is the path for the future? Let's go down. And he says, then in verse 25, so you've got the wise man, he's building his house on this rock. And he says, the rains came down and the storms rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and yet it did not fall. Now that's the wise man. So, so in the, the world back then, you know, back in the, you know, the days of Jesus, um, they didn't have AccuWeather, you know, they, didn't, they couldn't look on their map to say, you know, oh, there's a tornado coming, there's a hurricane coming. They didn't have any of this. They almost kind of lived at the mercy of the winds and the waves and the elements. And so the wise man, because he's built this strong foundation, when those things that are unpredictable, those things that are out of your control, those things that there's no way you could have prevented that from happening. I think about, you know, the, the cancer diagnosis. I think about, you know, all the things that happen in our relationships that aren't our doing, but the result of the doing of someone else. These things happen in life. The stock market goes up. The stock market goes down. House values go up. You know, uh, jobs open. Jobs, sometimes we get laid off. There's all these things that happen in our life that we are completely have zero control on. But the parable here is there are, are two results as you go through this. These storms of life are going to come. So the wise man who's built his foundation on this rock, he's going he's to be able to withstand this. It's not going to stop the hard things in life, but your life is going to look differently in the midst of the storm. The foolish man, he goes on and he says, he's, you know, the, same, the exact same rain. So just see the two houses side by side. Same storm, same circumstances, same weather, same problems. One is going to stand. But the person who didn't build his house on the rock, it says that the streams rose, the winds blew, they beat against the house. The words are exactly the same. There's this repetition there. But the difference is, is it fell with a great crash. It fell with a great crash. And my question for you and my question for me is, as we look at the next 10 months, August to May, here's what I know. May will come. <laughs> May will be here in 10 months. That calendar that you have, it had all those activities. It had soccer practice or it had, you know, whatever you wrote on that calendar, those pages will be over and that calendar will shut and you'll head into summer. And my question is, is how are we going to live the next 10 months of our life? What is our foundation going to be? Is it going to be on the words and the teaching of Jesus? And are we just going to be hearers like the crowd? Or are we going to be the doers who put it into practice? And that is what is going to make the difference. It's going to make the difference in your marriage. It's going to make the difference with your parenting. It's going to make the difference in your career. It's going to make the difference in your relationship with the Lord. Because 
that finals exam week, <laughs> you know, using the nightmare illustration, I just don't want you to get to the end and be trying to scramble for a quick fix because there's something that you have neglected and not paid attention to in your life that's really super, super important. So how do we do this? What, I mean, what does this look like? Um, here's the thing is I know every single one of us in here, we have different deals. Like the things that keep me up at night, the things that I need to be working on in this season in my life, they might be different from what you, you're going through and what, you, what are kind of the priorities for you right now. But here's what I know is we all have them. So what are some general principles, some rhythms, some habits, some disciplines that we need to go ahead and get on the calendar to say, I want to do this year well. I want my year to be built on the rock. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I've got four things here, and I'm going to go through them each one. But, but here's kind of the overarching principle. I want to invite you to do what Jesus did. I want you to model your life after his life. I want you to do what Jesus did. You know, when we think about a disciple, we don't really use that word these days, but, but another word that we use that maybe might be a little bit, um, give us a little bit more of a picture of that is, is an apprentice. You know, you think about someone who is going to become a, a teacher. You know, they do their student teaching where someone is first they go in the classroom and they observe and then they have their student teaching where they're still kind of getting coaching they're they're trying it out on their own they're doing some but they're still it's part of a class uh, usually there's a teacher who's a mentor often that first year of teaching and so we have in many of our professions this idea of you're learning from someone else how to do the job. And so as we think about how do we do this life as believers, how do we live as disciples, we look at what Jesus did. So here are just, and there's a lot more, but I want to lift these up, and it's my hope that you'll put these on your calendar this year. And the first one is just be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. When we see the life of Jesus, one of the things that we see over and over and over, this was a habit, it was a rhythm. The gospel writers talk about it. They, they categorize, they list it for us. But he pulled away to spend time with the Father. He pulled away to spend time with the Father. And I just think about your life and I think about my life is that this is, should just be a part of our rhythm. And what I love, and you know, and I think about when Jesus pulled away to be with his heavenly Father, I thought, what did they do? Like, I mean, Jesus was the Word of God. It wasn't like he didn't already know the whole Word of God. And I thought about the friendships and the relationships that I've had over the years, and I thought, you know, it's just people I like to be with, people that we had something in common. We we shared the same interests. We, our schedules worked out similar. You know, maybe we were carpooling together. Maybe it was another mom. Maybe it was a work friend. But, but we spent time together, and we had things in common. And that's my hope for you and my hope for me is that it will be a rhythm and a discipline, but it'll, at the core, it won't be about head knowledge. It'll be about this relationship with the God of the universe who loves you, who calls you his child and desires to be with you. So that's the first one is just find times to be with Jesus. Now, for all of us, that's going to look different, uh, but let me give you just some things that make it work for me, and one is, is that sometimes, I don't know about y'all, like I get up in the morning to have my devotional time, and here is the, just, just the truth, so I'm just going to come clean here, is that sometimes, I mean, I'm not hearing the angels sing. Do y'all, anybody, anybody ever, 
No, I'm feeling my mind's already working about what I've got to do today. I mean, sometimes I'm sleepy. Sometimes I'm mad at Mark. Sometimes, you know, I'm just mad at myself. Sometimes, I mean, just fill in the blanks. But sometimes when I sit down in my chair to have my quiet time, I don't hear the hallelujah chorus. But here's what helps me, just a few things, and maybe this will help you too. One is I have a time and I have a place. I have a time and I have a place. And it is my, I call it my quiet time chair, but it is my quiet time chair. And it's like there is this rhythm and this routine of knowing that this is where Jesus has met me in the past and knowing that he will meet me in the future. So one is to have a time and a place. The other thing is to have a path, to have a plan. And um. And again, we're all different, but one of the things that helps me is to have a reading plan so that when I, sometimes when I'm not feeling and I'm groggy and I've got that cup of coffee and I'm just like, oh, you know, it's like I need a place to start. I need a beginning. And what has worked well for me, and I've got it right here, um, and some of y'all are doing this. This is is a Bible reading plan. Um, I've got an app on my phone. I've got uh, copies of this out there if anybody wants to pick them up. But it's basically just reading through the Bible in a year. I don't know if y'all have been doing that with us, but we are finishing up the Old Testament. And can I just say praise Jesus? Because I'm in the prophets right now, and it is a little, uh, it's a little laborious. But this weekend, again, I sat down, I was in, I think I was in Zephaniah or something like that, and I'm like, oh, great, you know, Zephaniah, and there's all these, you know, dreams that he's having about these monsters and horsemen and all this stuff, kind of, and then I'm reading along, and there's this one little place where, where he says, the, the Lord says, he said, I will be like a, a, a wall of fire around you. And your glory will abide within you. And he's talking about the city of Jerusalem when they come and rebuild it. And I thought, oh, Jesus, I want you to be a wall of fire around me. I want you to be a wall of fire around my marriage. I want you to be a wall of fire around my kids. I want you to be a wall of fire around Martha Bowman. And I want your glory to dwell within us that we might reflect your glory. I mean, it was this sweet, sweet Jesus moment. But I promise you, I would have not had that if I hadn't been kind of drudging through the prophets here, you know, and God in his great mercy met me and gave me this sweet little place of connection and words for a prayer to have with him in a conversation. So I don't know, but I do know that, that meet with him have a plan. And the other thing is, is when you don't, you know, when you, you fall off the wagon, so to speak, or, you know, the week gets busy, it's like, don't beat yourself up. And for me, I don't try to go back and go miss all, you know, go back and read the things that I missed. It's like, no, I just start fresh. And I love the prophet um, in Jeremiah and Lamentations. He says, you know, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Just wake up. It's a new day. It's a fresh start. It's clean. And just say, today, Jesus, your mercies are new. Today, I expect to hear from you. I hope to hear from you. And so if you want to, I'm going to invite you now. To, we're, we're going to go through each one of these, but there's something I want you to do in your communication card. So you've got your bulletin there. If you would like for us to email you a copy of this reading plan, just write your name, your email address, and say, send me a copy of the reading plan. Because here is the good news. I mean, we are finished with the Old Testament here in just a few weeks, and it is on to the gospel. So I cannot wait. So reading's going to be a lot easier. But let me invite you to have a plan. All right, the second thing is, is 
to be in worship, to be in worship with the people of God. And I know, I mean, I hear people say all the, I was on the phone with somebody the other day. Um, they, there's a vendor and, you know, trying to work something out and, and just mentioned that I go to Martha Bowman. And, and he's a nice man, but on the phone, I've never met him before, he begins to tell me his spiritual journey. And it was kind of sweet and kind of sad. But it was, he said, he said, you know, I used to go to church and then he had a falling out with some folks at church. And so he said, I stopped going. And, and he was a little defensive, and he was like, but I believe in God, and I find God on the golf course, and you know, and so he's giving me out, and I'm just listening. I mean, I, I didn't ask him any of this, but I'm just listening. And the thing that I thought was, I thought, oh, that's so sad. I'm sorry your heart got hurt. But you know what? There is something that is unique about when we come together as the people of God to worship. And, and Paul talks about this. And, and I, I, I hope you've experienced this. He said the church, it's like, it's like we're a body. We are connected with one another. Jesus is our head. And I believe, and, and I mean, tell me if you've had this happen, that maybe, you know, you're, you're not feeling it today. You're kind of, you know, you're feeling a little dead spiritually or just your mind's on other things and you can come and worship and there's just a lyric from the song that it just is like exactly what you needed to hear and it just you feel this connection to God has anybody ever had that happen I mean I just I've lost count have you ever been you know hearing someone preach and teach and then and then it's like oh my goodness have they been reading my journal that is just what I needed to hear there is something that is unique I believe it. Wesley called it a means or a vehicle to experience God's grace. And being together like this, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But for whatever reason, it is something that you will not exactly experience anywhere else in your life. And here's the thing that I love too. I mean, so it, it's pretty unnerving to be a communicator like this because, I mean, you pray, you pray, you know, you pray, you think, and you're just like, oh man, I hope this connects with somebody. Uh, so I'm not just talking head up here. But what this, this has happened to me y'all so many times. So I'll, I'll get down, you know, and somebody real nice comes up to me and says, oh my gosh, you just said exactly what I needed to hear today. I mean, that was it. So then, of course, my head puffs up. You know, I get real air. It's like, yeah, I'm good. This is great. And, but what I've started doing is saying, well, tell me, what was it that you heard me say that had such an impact on your life? I promise y'all, nine times out of ten, it was nothing I said. <laughs> I mean, it, maybe it was something that I said, and it triggered something else, but it's like, oh, I don't think I really made that point, but I just believe that when we are together, that the Holy Spirit is uniquely present, and He is in ministry to all of us, and so I think that's one of the things that we'll miss out this year if we don't make that decision to make corporate worship, that's a word for it, uh, a part of your routine and rhythm of this year. The other thing is, I hope that you will be in community. When we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was not a lone ranger. He had 12 men that he did life with. And I just imagine them walking, you know, talking, eating, laughing, serving, ministering. You know, they were together, and they did life together. And so as we think about this upcoming year, who is it that you're doing life with? You know, it might be your Sunday school class. It might be a small group. And we talk about this every fall. I mean, every fall, just put it on your calendar. One of us up here is going to say, get in a small group, be a part of a community, because I know how critical it is to our, our spiritual formation, if you will. Working with the older adults in our other congregation, um, kind of a holy time is being, is having the, I mean, walking with people 
um, as someone ha in their family has passed away. Um, you know, it's, it's a part of celebrating baptisms and doing funerals. It's a part of, of, you know, being a pastor. But I cannot tell you how many times I have talked to families um, there as we've gone into their home to pray with them. And, and, you know, the Sunday school class is being food and, you know, people are calling and everything. And they'll say, you know what, this is the hardest time in my life, but I don't know what I would have what I would have done, how I would have gotten through this without my church family, my small group, my Sunday school class. But y'all, those relationships are forged over time. They are forged over days and months and years of knowing one another, being in each other's lives. There's no quick fix to community. It takes time. It takes time together. So I hope that you will find community. And so with your communication card, though, I do want to say, if you're looking for a small group and you say, friend, I would love to have something like that, but I just don't even know where to begin. I used to be in a Sunday school class, but I hadn't been in a while, and now it feels weird to go back, or it feels like I know there's a, a group over here, but it feels like all those people already know each other. But if you're interested in being in a community group or a small group, just put that on your communication card. Just say, help me find a group. And it might be that you want to start a group, uh, but I will, Liz will, and myself will work with you to help you find that community. And then the other thing is, I want to invite you to serve. Um, that's what Jesus did. I mean, he and his disciples, they were constantly healing the sick, feeding the poor. They were teaching. It's like, and what I love about that, y'all might have heard this analogy, but but in the, you know, in the, the Holy Land there, there's the Dead Sea. And uh, this is, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about this, so you might have heard it. But the reason the Dead Sea supports no life is because the water flows in but there's nowhere for the water to flow out. And so all of the, the salts and the, and, and the minerals and everything, they just get concentrated right there, and, it, and it, nothing can grow, nothing can live, nothing. It's just dead. It's to the, it's very, the salt content is just so high, the mineral content. Our lives will be like that if it's all about us, all about us, all about us, all about us. But as we model and we do what Jesus did, the way he did life, I think that's what it means to be a disciple. And that's what it looks like to build our house on the rock. Imagine, if you will, that it is May. You know, it is the end of the school year. You're putting, you know, you're getting ready to figure out when are we going on vacation. You know, if you've got kids, you're putting the backpacks away, the, the nasty lunch boxes that have like crud in them, you know, all that. You're setting it all aside and the end has come. What will your spiritual life look like? What will your relationship with God look like? Your relationship with your family? Your relationship with the Lord? What's it going to look like? I hope that today you choose the path that will get you to that place where when the storms of life come, because they will, just like they did to all of us, that we've built our lives on the rock.